Well, we're continuing with our monthly series on the attributes of God. We've moved this week to God is truth or truthful. And that's a, a good question to start with, isn't it? I'm going to just move this microphone. Um, but it's a good question to start with as we consider what is truth. This was the question that Pilate asked Jesus on the eve of his crucifixion. And as we look at Pilate asking that question, it begs us to ask the question, how was he asking that question? Was he asking that question in a searching way or an antagonistic way? We'll, we'll never know, of course. We'll never know. But if we were to ask that question today, what is truth, we would have so many different responses to that question. I suppose we live in a society that um, could be summed up with a website, with a company, which is confused.com. Confused.com. That's where we are. Um, we can believe what we want um, as long as we're sincere. As long as we're sincere. And so Jesus' words in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Some would say Jesus' words seem outdated uh, and in our modern age or in our postmodern age just, just doesn't cut it. To say there is a truth just goes against the tide and goes against our modern thinking. So that's why, for instance, and this is in a textbook, I know this as a religious studies, previously religious studies teacher, you'll get this image. So if we have the image of the elephant... So you may know the story of the elephant. And um, the RE teacher would read a story. And it's a popular analogy of the elephant in our religious, pluralistic age. Um, so it's basically telling the story of four men, four blind men, who discover an elephant. Since the men have never encountered an elephant, they feel... They feel the different parts of the elephant uh, to describe what an elephant is. So one of the men will grasp the trunk and his conclusion is that the elephant actually is a snake. Another explores one of the elephant's legs and he describes the elephant as a tree. A third finds the elephant's tail and announces that that elephant actually isn't an elephant, but a rope. And the fourth blind man, after discovering the elephant's side, concludes that the elephant actually is a wall. A wall. Each in his blindness is describing the same thing. An elephant. Yet each describes the same thing in a radically different way. They're describing the same thing in a radically different way. So the conclusion is that no individual religion has a corner, has a monopoly on the truth. But we should view everyone's view and everyone's feeling and everyone's understanding of, of equal validity. So it's very powerful, isn't it? It's a very attractive kind of illustration 
that um, is used up and down this land in many of our schools. But there's one big problem with the analogy of the four men. They're missing the fifth man. The fifth man who was able to see the elephant. And he was able to describe the elephant as an elephant. This changes the analogy completely. It would be irrational for the others to ignore the person who could see the elephant. That's why Jesus Christ is unique among all other religious leaders of history. He can claim to be that fifth man. A unique, definitive revelation of God himself. He who seeks to understand the nature of God will be foolish to ignore what scripture points to us as God incarnate. If we want to know what God's like, we look to Jesus Christ. That's a long introduction, isn't it, to the Bible reading. But let's look at our Bible reading. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. And Luke writes these words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So I want us to look at three things this morning as we look at this together. Before we do, let's just remind ourselves what Luke is saying. Luke primarily shows us that as we understand who Jesus is as God's son, as God incarnate, Luke is not basing his understanding primarily on experience. You see, because experience can be challenged or doubted because it may have been that you may have had a few lemonades the night before, or a few lollipops. It's not based either on hearsay, because hearsay can always be misunderstood, or people can be misinformed. And it's not primarily about ideas, because ideas can be taken or left, and we can move on to the next big thing. What we have here as we read the introduction to this great book that starts off on uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 1 and goes right the way through to Acts of the Apostles because Luke wrote Acts of the Apostles too is facts and events that have taken place in our time and our history about a man who was more than a man that lived, was born, that lived and died amongst us. 
He was born of a woman and of God. He lived like no one else. As he, did, as he lived life, he did no wrong. And death could not hold him like it, it had held everyone else. The writer here, of course, is Luke. And as we'll see in a moment, Luke is reliable, that he, he has taken care over his words and his research. And we'll see why this is not just information, not just news that you can turn the page to the next big thing, but actually this is momentous news. Good news, yes, but momentous news that changes life now, but changes life for eternity. So um, he's writing. Uh, his writing has changed people's lives. And so there's just three things that I want us to highlight this morning. Number one, these are certain events. So what Luke records here is no fable or nursery rhyme, but there are events that have taken place. Luke records history for us. Luke records history for us. Verse 1, the object is the things that have happened in time. Look again, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So many have undertaken, this isn't Luke writing this, well he's writing this, but he's, 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 he's calling on others that have seen and written these things down. Luke is a historian who records those events of other people um, and he wants to, for them to see that this is reliable, that these are certain events. There's no uncertainty here. It's not as if Luke is saying, I think I heard something the other day, or I had a dream. That would be a great one, I had a dream. No, these are events of many people who have drawn up the accounts of what has happened that's been fulfilled amongst us. So there's certain events, but also notice the narrators of history. Let me read again verses, um, uh, verses 1 to 3. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account view. Notice how many are involved in this writing. There are many. There are many. Many have undertaken to draw up an account, he says. And we're at a transition point from those who have spoken about what they have seen, this is an oral tradition after all, to that which has been written down. They write it down for the benefit of those who did not have the opportunity to see and hear these things, those eyewitnesses. Luke wasn't an eyewitness, but he was dependent on sources written and spoken. And Luke is very honest here. See, he could have been a forger. He's not a forger, but he could have been a forger who have, could have claimed to be an eyewitness. You know, that would have looked good, wouldn't it? I've seen these things. He doesn't ever say that he's seen these things himself. 
Luke has approached the task with thoroughness. Verse 3, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. We know if we were to go on to Acts, and we're not going to go on to Acts this morning, but if we went into Acts, we would have known that Luke would have had the opportunity to do research with Paul. Paul, Paul's two and a half year imprisonment in Caesarea in Acts 24, before and after, which Luke was with Paul. Luke set himself high standards in his work. He investigated everything. He looks through the writing we have of Jesus. Uh, we see, uh, as we, if we would, we, well, we'll see in the next few weeks coming up to Christmas, that we have um, the family tree. Uh, we have uh, an example. He's the only one that gives us an example of, of the early life of Jesus in the temple. Luke was painstaking in his writing. Notice it's an orderly account. This isn't some story, some fairy tale, some gruffalo tale. But this is a historian who needs to be taken seriously. He's researched. This is accurate. There is order. It's not the sort of writing um, uh, that is just kind of slapdash. This is accurate. This is careful. Luke claimed this to be history. And what's interesting as well is as you read about this and you read about Luke, it's, it's interesting the authority that Luke has. Um, archaeologists today, for instance, confirm the accuracy that Luke puts down in his book. Those small kind of insignificant places that uh, Luke writes about are here in his gospel. So that's the second point. So the third point is um, the purpose of why he wrote. I too, verse 3, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Verse 4, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So the purpose of Luke writing can be found there in verse 4. So that you may know in our versions, the church Bibles, the version that you probably are reading, it says the certainty. But in older versions of the Bible, it doesn't say certainty there. It says truth. So that you may know the truth of the things you have been taught. We don't know if Theophilus, who he's writing to there, is a person. I think he's a person. Or he's speaking generally. Theophilus, the word Theophilus means loved by God, loved by God. So, so Luke wrote that Theophilus, or, or they as a group of those uh, that were listening and taking on board what Luke had produced, would know the truth. Greek, the Greek for truth is certainty as we have it in our Bibles. Or security. We can have security this morning. Luke wants his readers to have the security that what they have and what they read and what we have before us is true. It's certain. It's, it's reliable. We can have that 
security. That these events that we have before us through the writings of Luke are transforming. This is my truth, tell me yours. No, this is the truth. These are the words that we have of God's word before us that longs for us to move from the words to the person. As we know the truth, it will set us free. Words of Jesus. Do you know the truth this morning? Not a truth, but the truth. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is not an academic exercise we're doing this morning. But this changes people's, not just life, but their eternal destiny. As we will see in the weeks to come, the God incarnate, the God made flesh. This is no fable. This is no Father Christmas story. But this is the truth. This is the truth. And for everyone here this morning, I'd just like you to consider again the truth that you hold to. But it's more than just kind of standing on. But it transforms our life as we see life now, but also life for eternity. It changes our destination. This is the purpose. This is what we have in front of us so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And this is what happens here at Hook every week that we teach the gospel, we teach the word Not so that we can learn more verses and tick lists of what we know and what we don't know. Not because we're a Bible church or we better get the Bible out and read it. No, because the Bible and the Word of God changes us by His Spirit. It transforms us. It makes us more like Jesus. So the truth, has it set you free? Has it made you and is it making you more like Jesus. These things are certain and these things have been taught. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the gospel and forgive us for the times when we just make it another thing as Vicky prayed with the busyness of life. And we pray that we would know the truth And the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus. Father God, we pray that we would go with confidence, knowing this truth in a world that is such, such, so confused and mixed up and on many paths. We pray that we would have confidence and reassurance and security this morning that this is the truth. Father God, we... We know as well that we can doubt the truth. And in a world that is mixed up, in a world that doubts, we too can be like that. But Father God, again, we thank you that if our feelings are one way, if our ideas often are against maybe what you say, we thank you for the certainty and the security this morning of this truth. May we be encouraged this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.